Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of Bloomberg Intelligence Tech's Disruptors Podcast. My name is Anurag Rana. I'm a technology analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence. And uh, today I have the pleasure of having Anul Chakraborty, who is the head of digital experience cloud at uh, Adobe. And it's a look forward to this discussion. I've known uh, Anil for many years now. And uh, this is going to be a fun topic for me because uh, I think I know the industry a little bit in this case. Uh, I know the company a little bit. But let's start off with a little bit of background of, of you, Anil, as to what have you done in the past? What made you come to Adobe? Yeah, awesome, Anurag. Great to uh, see you again and be on your podcast. Thanks for uh, inviting me. As you mentioned, I came to Adobe about three years ago to run the digital experience business in our worldwide field operations. Prior to this, I was the CEO of Informatica. I was uh, first the chief product officer and then the CEO of Informatica. Uh, and prior to Informatica, I was at uh, Symantec in a number of different uh, roles. I left, I was leading the, I was the general manager of the security business at, uh, at Symantec. Long history in tech, but great to see you again. Yeah, no, that's excellent. Now, tell us a little bit about the digital experience cloud. Now, if I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but if I go back, I think it started with the acquisition of Omniture long, long time ago because Adobe at, to the core was a creative company and then diversified and created this massive opportunity. And one of the things that we have written is, we think a digital experience is where the growth is going to come for in the long run because of the size and the TAM of the market. Perhaps you can tell me how the division started and what have you done since then? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Just to, as you mentioned, in Adobe, we have three major clouds, the creative cloud, the document cloud, and the experience cloud. And the creative cloud and the document cloud is together, we call it the digital media business. And then the experience cloud is the digital experience business. And we are in a good position where all three clouds are growing, which is great. And then it's, uh, it's powering the growth of the company. The experience cloud specifically, we have, we have focused on what we call personalization at scale. So if you will, this is the third phase of it. You mentioned the first phase, which is Adobe entered the business with the acquisition of Omniture and really created the digital marketing category, web analytics, web content management, email campaigns, and things like that. That was really the first phase of the business. Call it 2009 to 2016 timeframe. And then Adobe reinvented the category and called it customer experience manager, bigger category, because we saw very early on that the idea of marketing was going towards this two-way engagement with customers, right? Understanding what customers want, going through the entire customer journey and being able to have tools to manage the entire customer journey. So that was customer experience management. And that obviously during the pandemic took off because everybody had to invest in digital commerce and digital presence through web and mobile apps and so on. And this third phase, which we really are on the cusp of entering right now, we call it personalization at scale, which basically means when you have, if you're a B2C company with uh, millions of consumers, or if you're a B2B company with hundreds of thousands of customers and individuals, how do you provide a personalized service across any channel? whether they are on the web or mobile, or if they call into a call center, if they go into a store, uh, it could be any channel. How do you provide a personalized experience? And that's obviously super critical. People are used to that now. When they shop at Amazon or they go through Google and so on, they're used to a personalized experience. And that's the bar for every company, whether it's B2C or B2B. And that's really what we are all about. No, that, that's absolutely true. And in fact, I will give you an example. I was blown away a few years ago. I saw a demo at, I think it was NRF where a person who was interested in running there, all the content was very running oriented. Somebody who was for skiing was very skiing oriented and Adobe was powering some of that. Yeah. I also saw recently you had posted something on LinkedIn about Adobe working with one of the banks for a personalized experience. 
perhaps give us a detail of examples like that or that example or any examples like that where industries are leveraging different products to come up with that experience. Yeah, exactly. As you said, historically, a lot of our strength has been in retail, prevalent hospitality, B2C, consumer-oriented companies. But increasingly, we have seen tremendous traction in financial services and healthcare. So I'll use those two verticals as an example. You mentioned the bank. And in a lot of banks, they have invested in their digital properties, their website, their mobile app, and they've had a high number of their customers or their customers enroll in these. But the issue that they face for the most part is they can do basic things. People check their balances, deposit checks, and so on and so forth. But what they, when it gets to something more sophisticated, you want to file for a mortgage application or you want to get a home equity loan of a line of credit. Those things people still go into a branch or call into a call center to try to do, and they don't, they don't do it completely online. Banks would like to do it, they, them to do it so they can do it anytime. It's also less expense for the banks, higher customer satisfaction when it's done. And so that's really the focus of what we provide by personalized experiences is how do you help somebody on a journey where they can do an entire mortgage application online without having to go into a branch, for example. And banks are cutting back on their branch locations and they really care about providing a much better digital and a mobile experience. In the healthcare world, what we see is this idea of putting the patient at the center. Typically, the healthcare world has not been a leader in deploying technology, especially front-end, customer-facing technology. A lot of the technology investments have been at the back end through the electronic health record, things like that. But now they have the same incentives because as customers get used to this kind of digital experience in any every other industry, people go, when I go to a provider or when I'm dealing with an insurance company, why is it so clunky? Why do I have to write to them? And all of this, or why do I have to call and wait on a call central line? So healthcare companies have seen that. And as our products have become HIPAA compliant, they have really started to invest in providing a digital patient experience or a digital member experience as well. Yeah, perhaps one of the things is, and even I don't remember all the different products, but in your big spectrum, you have three major subcategories and then several products underneath that. Yeah. Do you mind just taking a couple of minutes to talk a little bit about those products? Because I'm sure our audience doesn't understand what each of those products do and how eventually then let's talk about how they all tie in together. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we actually have four categories that run on a common platform. The four categories are the first one is we call data insights and audiences, which is where Omniture and Adobe Analytics started, which is how do you get data about customers, right? So initially, for example, if a prospect, somebody new to your company comes to your website, you have very little information about that person, but then they register, you get to know them then they become a customer, then they're using multiple products and so on. Then you know a lot about them. So that is the journey of understanding the customer journey. That's what the data insights and audiences, those products help you do is really assemble the full picture. The second key area we focus on, we call content and commerce, which is again, what we built around virtually every major website, consumer website in the world runs on one of our products. How do you scale it and provide, make that from the typical website of 10 years ago, which was really more about conveying information, to today, most of these websites are actually digital applications and digital products. And, and commerce is an example of a digital product like that, where people want to link content and commerce, meaning I want to do personalized commerce experiences. So instead of just being a catalog, I can always do a catalog. If I'm a retailer, I just put one catalog and you pick what you want. But it's much more effective 
if I can show you, if I can give you recommendations and show you merchandise or put a promotional offer that's very specific to what you're looking for. And that's where we are focused on with content and commerce. The third key area we call these as customer journeys, which is the actual applications that help you manage these customer interactions via email, via mobile app, in product, through voice, etc. This is what's called omni-channel, and that's what we focus on is how do you help make that happen, both for B2C and for B2B. So that's the thir third area. And the fourth area is marketing workflow, which is as marketing becomes more personalized, the number of campaigns that companies have to do has gone up a lot. Nobody wants their budget to go up at the same rate. You have to really automate a lot of that. And that's what we do with our marketing workflow. So those are the four key categories of what we do. And they're all linked together with a common platform called the Adobe Experience Platform. And that the common data platform or the place where you accumulate all this information, is it in your mind, you're an expert in data integration. Yeah. Where are you in that journey in terms of, do you think you are halfway done or it's already working perfectly or there's a lot more work uh, that still needs to be done? for all those applications to talk to each other? We started investing in it over five years ago at Adobe. So even before I came, the investments had already started. And we believe we have a multi-year lead in the market because the way this platform works, the, it does a few things which are all super important to marketers. First of all, it's the scale. To be able to handle millions of consumer profiles and when you add them up and you want to be able to do it so that every customer's data is kept separate for data governance and so on. So that's a huge undertaking, the scale. The second key piece of it is being real-time. Because if someone comes to your website, you want to put that, like the commerce example we were talking about. You have, you collect data of what they're browsing, and you want to be able to come up with a decision in real-time of what to do next. What is the next best action? Typically, if you want to do it without the customer noticing it, they think it's like happening instantaneously. It has to be done in under 250 milliseconds, which is what our platform does. So it's very fast. And the third key piece of it is then you want to be able to take all of this data, make it available so that you can run things like segmentation and so on. So if you're a retailer, you mentioned the running one as an example. You can now do very fine-grained segments and say, hey, one of the segments I'm talking to are moms because moms who do yoga, who have downloaded our app, but they've really not been active on the app. They've not been, so that's a segment that you can target with a very specific message. That's what personalization is all about. And that's the kind of analysis you need to be able to do. So that's really what is really differentiated about our platform is we've built a cloud scale platform that can do all of that. And that's what the, that's where the differentiation is. And I think to your other question, I believe that we're really seeing that hockey stick. We said at our analyst day, we're going to do a 450 million annual book of business with our AEP and apps this year, which is grown from about 70 million two years ago. So it's really seen that. But the work is obviously not done. There's a lot of innovation in terms of not just the scale and real time and performance, but data privacy, data security, governance, and how to be able to help marketers be able to do this. The engine can be very sophisticated and complex, but the user interface to the marketer has to be really simple and intuitive. And that's where a lot of the innovation is going. You know, a quick follow-up on that. Have you seen any either backlash or issues with Europe GDPR and other things that would hamper your ability to customize this information because of heightening privacy concerns uh, around the globe? Well, I think what we have seen is many companies, and this is where the platform is very strong, is 
have decided to focus on what's called first party data, which basically means if you are my customer, Anurag, you actually explicitly registered and you tried your preferences and said, I'm open to these kinds of contacts via these kinds of channels. You might say, I'm fine. Some people might say, I'm open to receiving marketing emails from you, but I'm not open to receiving marketing emails from your partners. Or I'm fine with emails, but not text, etc. So once you take all those preferences into account, and then you have all the opt-in, et cetera, built into the platform, you actually, you are now doing what the customer explicitly authorized you to do. And that's what our platform does. So for example, if a company has a policy that says, hey, let's say we have a million consumer profiles, but I only want to show those profiles to our marketers where we have an opt-in. And that's say 500,000 of them. When we do our analysis in the platform and surface the segments, we only provide the ones that have opted in already. So it's like privacy is built into the platform. And so I, we think that, therefore, exactly for the kinds of things that you mentioned, this is the way to go. Virtually everybody will be doing the marketing based on such platforms. Yeah. And one of our thesis is that given all the restrictions on the IDFA and the problem it has caused for Meta and other digital advertising companies that basically do a lot of this en masse, that eventually companies will do more and more customized marketing and uh, through first party data is what you mentioned. Have you yeah. seen any of that trickle in, in terms of companies interested in more doing that now compared to, let's say, in the pre-IDFA days? Absolutely. I think that's one of the main reasons to this hockey stick that we talked about going from our 70 million to 450 million. I think a lot of that is driven by that. It's for both reasons. One is exactly as you mentioned. It's like this is the way customers are happier if they engage through when they explicitly provide their data and so on through first-party data. The second is from a company perspective, it's actually much better to measure and see the ROI, right? If I put a next best action in front of you, but you don't respond and that happens across 100 customers. Now I have, I know that offer or that action is not working. Whereas if I do it through these third-party cookies and I'm doing advertising through an intermediary and I don't really know you as a consumer, it's very hard to measure the effectiveness. So I, maybe I showed you an ad and maybe you came to my website and did something with me because of that ad, but there's really, I don't have much to correlate the two. And so I think that's where I think the, it, it, this is a, an approach which is better for both the end consumer as well as for the brands and the enterprises. So perhaps let's dive a little bit into the competition. Who would you put as in your bucket of main competitors out there, either on a point product basis or on a platform basis? Who do you bump into the most? And then if you win, why do you win? And if you lose, why would? what are some of the causes around it? So in each of these categories, we have different competitors. It is a large space. It is a crowded space. So we don't really have one across the board of these four categories that I mentioned, data insights and audiences, content and commerce, et cetera. So we don't really have one competitor across the board. What we, I always say is, look, the, what really helps us in our strategy of differentiation is, first of all, it's this laser focus on customer experience management, on digital experience, right? We are going to be close, just over 4.4 billion in revenue estimated by the end of this year for our fiscal year is ending soon. And that's what we said at endless day. And for a multi-billion dollar company, we're really focused on business at Adobe. We're really focused on this space. Whereas when you compete with some of the bigger companies in the enterprise space, they're doing so many things. It's effectively they're addressing every major enterprise function. So I think their focus is very diluted. When it comes to the startups in each of these areas, 
the challenge for marketers, for CMOs is in the initial days, it really worked well where they were able to pick a company. They may not have gotten that much support from their central IT organization or the CIO. This was not the highest order priority. So they were able to jump in and do something quickly with a MarTech startup. Now, what they're left with is though they have lots of fragmentation in their data, lots of fragmentation in their content. And all these companies, they, every, the CMO has become this little system integrator. They're trying to stitch together. And that's not what they want to be doing, right? And, and now it's also become more important that it's on the radar of the CIO. They can get the, their internal tech teams to work with them now because it's more important. The CEO cares about it and they will get more investment. So as a result, there is, we believe that there is a natural push towards larger players like us who can provide both best in class. We really benchmark ourselves in each of these areas across the best in class, right, providers. But we also integrate it and that reduces the long-term cost of ownership and fragmentation and all of that. That's the benefit to the CEO. Yeah. And from my experience with Salesforce, what I have learned, people do start with buying one point product, then they buy a few multiple products. And then eventually what happens is your churn rate improves a lot, massive stability. You're able to sell more into that. So perhaps in your, these multiple products that you own, how does a customer start with what kind of the initial products that they buy? And then how does that take me through a journey as to then how does that expand over time? And typically, which ones to go first and then which ones go later? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm happy to do that. In fact, uh, we had a very good chart. I thought that the, our analyst day just a couple of weeks ago showing that. So I'll recap that for you. So we did a 10-year analysis looking back from 2012 to now and said, what is the cohort growth then? And what we have found is, first, I'll give you the numbers and then I'll give you the patterns. So typically, after one full year of expansion, that cohort, what we found is, the revenue is 1.3x, so 130% of the first year revenue. After five years, it's 3.6x, so it's 360%, exactly what it is. And after eight full years, it's 8x. So the, the average subscription revenue per customer is eight times what it was in the first year. Exactly to your pattern, I think we've seen this now over the last 10 years. And the main patterns, we have several patterns, but I'll tell you the main ones. Typical one is a customer who started out as a web content management system customer for us. So they bought our Adobe Experience Manager product. That's what they're running their websites on. As soon as they stand up the website, they realize, hey, I need to understand what is happening on the website. Who is coming? Which web pages are they going to? What links are working? When I have an intended journey for them, are they following the journey or not? That's what our Adobe Analytics product does. So that's what they buy the Adobe Analytics product for. Then they wanted to do personalization to say, hey, can I personalize some elements of the web page or I can put personalized links so that I can direct them in a certain way? That's what our Adobe targeting and the personalization products do. So that's one common journey. Start with the website and it becomes more and more sophisticated. Another common journey for us is somebody starts with one of our campaign products like Adobe campaign for email marketing or Marketo for our B2B marketing, right? So that's the, they start with marketing automation. Then they realize, hey, to have effective marketing campaigns, I need to actually generate the right content, put more power in the, for each marketer so that they can generate the segments and so on. So that it's more personalized instead of what would used to be called batch and blast, right? spray and pray. So that used to be the old method. So to do that, then now that's when you need the platform. 
you say, hey, I need to collect uh, more information about the customer, put it in a CDP, the customer data platform, run analysis on it, understand the patterns, and then I can be much more effective. So that's a common the pattern we see. And one last one is really built around commerce. Customers who were started maybe as our commerce customers through Magento and so on, they realize, hey, I can put up a catalog. And that is, that's good as it goes. So that's usually effective for customers who already know me. But then if I have to attract new customers, when new, people who are coming to browse, not to shop yet, how do I understand what they're looking for and put the right offers in front of them and so on? And that pulls in the rest of the stack. So those are some of the patterns that have led to that kind of uh, growth. You know, perhaps just dive a little bit into the CDP concept of the customer data platform. Now, in my view, this is becoming almost every software company talks about that they have a common data platform at this point. And I've covered SAP. They talk a lot about it. Salesforce recently is making a big discussion around it. Almost everybody is out there. So perhaps teach me that if I am a customer, which CDP platform am I most likely to go after? Somebody who has my front office system, somebody who has my back office system, or do I just buy an independent one? Do I host it with one of the cloud providers? Perhaps tell me what my thought process is when I'm looking at so many companies that are selling this to me. Yeah, I think it starts with basically what are the use cases you're trying to drive. So if your use cases are around customer engagement, if your use cases are around making sure that you are optimizing your marketing, et cetera, if that's the primary use set of use cases, then a company like Adobe is the natural choice because we you're probably already using some of our applications to do that. E even if you're not using our applications, our platform is open. I mean, we have well over 400 sources and destinations that are integrated. The data model is open. We're not in the data business, right? You can take everything in the platform and put it into a data lake of your choice. If you want to, like an Azure data lake or an AWS data lake, and many of our customers do that. And you can build your own apps to run on the platform. So the, so if your focus is really on customer engagement, on, on, uh, on digital marketing, more personalized marketing and so on, then we are the right choice. To your point, the CDP market is super cluttered, but I actually asked a customer who recently went with us and they did a full scan. They started probably with over 50 providers, did the RFP, et cetera, a very well-known company. And I said, how did you choose us? What was your credit? I said, look, we actually started first with all the strategy and so on. Then we realized we need, it is a simpler filter. He said, first filter is, which of these companies actually has a product? Because there have been a lot of announcements in the space. But you can just tell, tell us customer references, the kinds of things, this data that we have shared uh, at our analyst day and so on. Like how many, give us some scale numbers. Like what are you doing in terms of performance and operations and so on? That will tell you whether there's a real product. Or not. So that filters out a lot of companies. Then you go to start thinking of, who actually has a business, right? So are you willing to release any business metrics? We just shared our book of business with you, right? And showed you how the growth is and so on. It's go talk to these companies and say, how much revenue are you doing? Business metric you want to share. And that filters that down even more. And then you come to a handful of companies that are in their, my, the customer's words, real. And so then you can say, now what is the work I need to do? to make this really work in my environment. So the choices actually, while on paper look like there are hundreds of companies, this, I thought what this customer said was a great way of just narrowing it down and then really working with a handful of companies to, to select the best partner. Now that then, that does make a lot of sense. 
And one of the things you just mentioned, I think, is uh, is one of the, I would say, the secret sauce for any successful SaaS software company is you start off with a dollar of work and over time you sell them multiple products and that becomes a very sticky customers, both from a revenue point of view and an attrition point of view. And part of that is to actually develop new products, either organically or by. So in your case, now you have multiple products. And if I look at it, close to a dozen, close to 10 plus products over here. Are there areas that you want to expand in slash go deeper in, which would help you to take that 8x to 10x and then even more? Yeah, absolutely. The good thing is we have a massive cross-sell opportunity, as you said, even with we have about 11,000 odd customers, as we talked about at endless day, and only 10% of those customers have four products or more from us. And so that's a massive cross-sell opportunity. Well, we, the good news is you know, we've been investing a lot in innovation. So we've come up with a lot of new products. So for example, customer journey analytics was a new product that we came across. Web analytics is really about how you do, how your website is working. But if you want to understand the entire customer journey across every channel that the customer works with, that you work with the customer, that's what customer journey analytics does. So we've introduced regularly, we've introduced new products. And I think that pace of innovation has kept us going with new products. But we are always monitoring the market. In the last few years, we expanded with Marketo, with Magento, with Workfront. So what we wanted, we'll, we like to do it very systematically, understand where the market is headed, what is really a pain point for CMOs today, or where we can anticipate where the market is going, just like we did with Omniture, et cetera. And so that's what leads us. So I think for us, it's a combination of both of them. But what is critical for us is it really needs to be integrated with the Adobe Experience platform. If it's not, then we can then it becomes a silo and we can't add value. So that's a critical requirement for us. Fair point. One of the things I've always wondered is around Black Friday or any other major online day, Adobe has its own announcement as to how the digital commerce world is shaping up. Can you please tell me, because I never understood how you collect that data, how you come up with that. Would love to understand the technologies that are behind behind that kind of work. Yeah, it's as for what we call the Adobe Digital Index is what you're referring to. And we actually publish it monthly now. And one of the amazing things, by the way, that has happened, two good things have happened. We have actually first started to see the signs of inflation going down. So in fact, our August index was the first one where prices dropped month over month, not in every category, but overall it dropped minus 0.1%. And then uh, we'll get you a vessel. We should definitely yeah, get you some of the latest digital index. But to your point of how we collect them, obviously every customer's data is their data. We don't, we don't monetize data. We don't cross-purpose any data from customers, et cetera. But we can collect information in the aggregate because it's a cloud service. We are collecting transactions. We are collecting information in the aggregate about what is happening. And that aggregate information is what leads to, it's about a trillion data points that we collect across all the 11,000 customers that we have. We collect over a trillion data points and that is what lets us say, hey, these are categories. So this is what's happening in electronics or toys or apparel and so on. It helps us put into categories, but we are not, we don't, we're not monetizing the data. It's just more for macro reporting and the insights into what's going on in the digital economy. Yeah, I know. Maybe I should be using it in my work and research. So that's with that. I you really should, you know, yeah, we make it open and the Federal Reserve, apparently some people look at it as a source of data, et cetera. So it def definitely we should, we would be happy to give you the latest. Yeah, no, it's good. So perhaps now let's uh, do a little bit of a deeper dive in some of these individual products. And perhaps tell me, like, if I was to just buy that one particular product, what would that be? Let's perhaps talk about one of your older products, the Adobe Analytics. What does it do for me as a customer? And what kind of value would I get out of it? Yeah, I mean, the Adobe Analytics product has been the, the mainstay of the flagship for, for 
anything to do with web analytics, right? So let's say you're a large media property, right? For example, you are a big media site and you're a, a big event is coming up, like the Super Bowl is coming up or March Madness is coming up and so on. It is a lot of that website that you have it's very important from a customer experience. You want to make sure that you understand where the traffic is going, what customers are viewing, and so on and so forth. It's also super important from your viewpoint of being a, a digital advertiser. So you want to understand where the traffic is going, what you want to be able to do with it, and where to guide people to go. And then it can also really help you design the site for reliability, for performance, and so on and so forth, so that depending on where things are going, you are able to provide a much better experience. That's what Adobe Analytics does. And the journey of where we've gone from there is we drew on that and said, how do we take it to the next level? So when you go to a website, you can either be a visitor who is not logged in. So I don't really know it's Anurag coming to my website. Or I might be, you might be in a logged in and I know it is Anurag coming to my website. How do I then provide the, you a path, right? And first of all, try to either infer what you're trying to do, which is then I can be predictive and personalized or I have based on if you are already logged in and I know who you are, I probably have a path for, hey, how can I provide a better level of service or take you on a journey where ultimately I can cross sell, I can add other products and services to you. That's what customer journey analytics does. So that's how we, that's the back end of once we assemble from the visitors, the profiles, that's what we are able to do. You know, you did mention something about that called the personalization at scale. Yep. And you did mention some very minute times, perhaps maybe for some of us who don't understand technology that well, what kind of technology in the back end goes for you to be able to do this in milli or microseconds? How yeah. does that work? Yeah, how it works is essentially we run on cloud scale. For example, for the Adobe Experience platform, we have partnered with Azure and we run on, on, uh, on Azure's platforms, but we use a number of different technologies. So one technology is a, a very high performance database that stores all of the profiles, right? And so you have all the data that is stitched together with the profiles and it, it expands over time. As I have more interactions with every consumer that gets added to the profile and the profile expands over time and the millions of such profiles. And then there is an engine that's essentially running continuously that is calculating what we call segments. So the idea of a segment is you as the marketer you specify what is of interest to you, or we infer a pattern through machine learning and so on, and we are able to run that analysis. And so that's one of the stats we disclosed in our financial analyst days. We now have nearly 30 trillion segment evaluations per day, which means that it is running continuously, calculating these segments. And then what you do is, it is then fed to an event engine. An event engine is basically, if something happens, let's say as an example, something that everybody understands. You are an airline. You have your frequent flyer customers. You want to provide them better switch. You've now seen pretty much every airline is able to do invest in, hey, when you arrive at their hub, you're making a connection. They go, okay, your next flight will leave from gate X and you get a text message or whatever your preference is. It's that idea, but then you have an event where something does not go according to plan. Let's say your incoming flight is late. And you want to be able to take an action in real time to say, now what do I do? What do I do for either I can reroute you if I put you on a different flight, that's great. I can give you a free lounge pass if you are not a lounge member so that you can be there. It's those kinds of actions that you can take, you can specify what those are. And those actions are 
based on event triggers. So that's the, I'm giving you a high level picture of it, but that's the workflow that happens on a, essentially on a continuous basis. And the trick to make it real time is all the engineering that goes into it to say, what do I, what do, what can I pre-compute? What do I have to actually compute in real time? How do I instrument all of these applications to get my telemetry in real time? All of those kinds of things are what lead to the, to the real time performance. Yeah, no, I must say that at least on the airlines have been very good in the last few years in terms of personalization. Almost every month, I would say, is I learn something new. And then perhaps that's where a lot of the technology is going. Perhaps dive a, let's dive a little bit into this content and co commerce segment of the Experience Cloud. Now, within that, perhaps explain which one is your marquee product and what does it do and what's the big highlights of that product? Yeah, in the in the content product line, the, the product name is Adobe Experience Manager. It's actually a very large product line, one of our largest product lines. And the Adobe Experience Manager is used as the content repository. It's the source of truth of the content, right? So it started as the web content management system. You're running big websites. You want to have the content so that you can actually run these websites all over the world so that you can provide good performance to, to end customers. But now it's actually expanded to be the content, the repository of content for everything you do around customer engagement and marketing. So if you are running campaigns, for example, you don't want to keep reinventing content. If you already have good content that's pre-approved and for many industries, you know, especially as you go into regulated industries, the content has to go through a very clear process before it gets approved and showed to customers or if you're in life sciences, for example, if you have content around a drug or a therapy, that comes with a lot of, you have to have certain language that shows what it can actually do and what some of the conditions of use are and so on that's approved by the FDA and your own legal department and so on. So you don't, that content cannot be created ad hoc every time. It's in a central repository and it gets used regardless of whether you are showing it through an iPad somewhere or et cetera, et cetera. That's what the content portfolio is all about, is that being that central repository of content for any kind of channel, any kind of personalization. On the commerce side, we got into that business through the acquisition of Magento, which is one of the leading commerce platforms. And what we've really done is, how do you then take it from a typical catalog-based commerce, which is what we would call commerce version one, right? The digital commerce version one, to much more of this personalized commerce, Commerce in a context where the business model is evolving. It may be a B2B model or a direct-to-consumer model or et cetera, et cetera. How do you support multiple models? How do you support both products and services, so subscription services? Those are the kinds of investments that we have made on the commerce end. You know, do you think you will ever get into more of the back office kind of stuff? Something like SAP does quite a bit on expense management areas like that. Does that tie into this or you'd like to be on the front end? So we are, yeah, we are focused on the front end, the customer experience. We integrate a lot. A lot of our customers integrate. The commerce engines are integrated with order management and inventory yeah. and fulfillment and so on. It's all they're very important from an integration perspective, but we are at the front end. No, fair point. And then perhaps in your, you know, the last major area that we can think about would be the customer journeys. Where, what are some of your, what is your marquee product there? And how, what kind of functionalities does that have? Yeah, and that, there we handle both B2B and B2C. B2B is through Marketo has been the key one there. And B2C is Adobe Campaign, where we have lots of big retail customers, travel and hospitality customers who have been doing for 10 years their marketing around that. There, some of the new things are, we have a new app called Adobe Journey Optimizer, which is built on top of our Adobe Experience platform. 
And the idea there is it is personalized and it can be in any channel. So it's omni-channel and personalized, which basically means that Anurag, for example, you, your preference is you, you, my car, for example, is in service right now. And my preference is through the app. I have the app for the car. Show me the status. Show me. I don't want calls. I don't want text. Just in the app. I'm happy to look at the app and just show me through notifications in the app. That's my preference and being able to manage that. For other things, I actually prefer if it's a bank statement, I actually prefer an email link so that I have an email reminder and then I can go to the website and get my statements and so on. So customers, you have to be able to manage their channels and their preferences, but do it through one tool that takes it through that optimization. And that's what the Adobe Journey Optimizer does. So we're, uh, we're seeing a lot of traction for that. And again, since I followed Adobe for a while, I've heard about Sensei quite a bit. Yeah. I would love to get any you know, real life examples of how it has used to increase productivity or enhance value to the customer and why you think that's going to be a bigger thing going forward. Adobe Sensei is our is the investments we make in AI and machine learning and all the innovations that, that we build into our products. It's the internal AI engine for a machine learning engine for the company. As an example, in the digital experience world, you know, we talked about this segment analysis. How do you calculate new segments so that you can personalize? And there's a lot of machine learning and AI involved in that. So we are able to infer patterns and suggest it to marketers and say, hey, when we look at the data you have on your consumers, when we look at some of these patterns, these are some examples of, of the segment analysis. We have actually introduced a whole bunch of what we call intelligent services customer AI, attribution AI, et cetera. These are typically built into our, uh, into our products and they are built on the uh, Sensei AI and machine learning innovation we have done. Now, fair point. What's one last question for me and then I will request you for some final words. Are there any additional technology trends that you've been keeping an eye on and uh, how do you think that would be embedded to the work the, that your team does? Yeah, one big one that we are very excited about right now is what we call content supply chain. And the idea of the content supply chain is that the way content is produced and the way content is consumed is changing radically. Typically in the past, content was done in a very wa waterfall kind of manner, right? You have a big campaign coming out in the fall. You start in the spring, you have an agency, you have an in-house team, they go produce ads and so on and so forth, goes through a review process. And then six months later, it actually launches on TV. That's not the world anymore. People think of a campaign, execute the campaign, get results and iterate very quickly. And all kinds of content are now useful for that. Content produced on TikTok or YouTube or user-generated content, third-party content. So being able to manage that entire supply chain effectively is super important for brands and marketers. And we think with our creative cloud, with our experience cloud, this is a unique position for us to do. We are really excited about it. No, fair point. This has been a lot of fun. We'd love to know if there are any final words from you about anything that may have, we have missed. Most of all, thank you again for inviting me. Really enjoyed the discussion and it's really get the great to reconnect. From my perspective, I think the in the macro environment that we are in, customers are really focused on not just the digital experience. They have to do that. They know those are important transformative investments. They're also really looking closely at who's the right partner. What do we? What? How do we get value? And I think those are the things that we are, we are seeing. And from our business perspective, it's not just about the technology. It's about this whole offering and how do you make it successful for customers? And that's really what we're focused on. No, absolutely great. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you so much. And we look forward to our next session with you. Thanks, Arunath.